that um, many couldn't be here, and I'm, you know, I, I understand, and um, I, I trust that they made the best decision that, that is for them so that they wouldn't risk anything. Um, it was a treacherous ride. <laughs> there I saw many cars off the sides of the road. I saw um, many accidents today. Amen. And uh, so I understand. I don't want that to be misunderstood. Amen. But I also want to say a special thank you to all of you who put forth the effort tonight to be here. Amen. We wouldn't be feeling what we're feeling right now if you didn't come to the house of the Lord. Good spirit of prayer before service tonight. Many of you are lifting up your voices in prayer. That's what, that's what is necessary for us to, amen, make it. <clears throat> amen. And um, I, wish, I wish the weather was different, honestly. Uh, of course, um, you know, my, my brother's talking about on Sunday how he, whoever's praying for snow to stop. And um, apparently nobody was listening. <laughs> Or they doubled down or something on the other side of it. Because I went to bed last night and I was like, man, we're, we got away with it. And then woke up this morning and we did not get away with it. I had probably five inches on our back porch. And um, I know Sister, Sister Nelson sent me a picture of her back porch. And she said she measured it about seven inches. And um, she said, my snow remover is down in Anthony, Kansas. <laughs> so I told her to build a snowman. So I don't know if she listened or not, but I understand. I really do. And, um, but again, thank you to everyone who came tonight, praying for all those who are sick, that the Lord would touch their bodies and take away the sickness I'm ready to get past all this and just get on into this new year. Amen. I believe God's got great things in store. I mean, I think the devil knows that too, and so he's putting up his best fight. But if this is all he's got to offer, he's going to lose. This is all he's got. I know who the winner is. Special thank you to Brother Larson and his family for making the long trip from northern Kansas City. I know that you get, in, get on the Missouri side, yeah, they, they do not know how to take care of the roads. They don't have enough guys out there. And then you got Brother Carter who drove all the way up from no man's land. <laughs> so thank you, Brother Carter. And all the rest of you who... Uh, dared the streets of Olathe or wherever you came from. Seriously, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I, I believe the Lord has given some direction for the service, and I got confirmation from my pastor before he left town. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good tonight. I'm feeling pretty prepared, ready to rock and roll. And um, so those I'm not going to try to get anywhere. I've got um, everything said and done, we have over 30 pages of notes, but I don't plan to go through all that tonight. Now, you will, <laughs> Brother Mike says, oh, God. 
I'll have mercy on you, Brother Mike, I promise. I see what time it is, 8.03. We are going to uh, expedite. I, it's getting colder and colder, um, but you're not going anywhere without me, so. <laughs> anyway, so uh, as I'm beginning Psalm chapter 144, I want to give honor to my pastor, Bishop Gregory Riggin, the best in Pentecost. And I, like Brother Larson, am missing him tonight. I texted him this afternoon. I said, well, it's, it snowed last night. What do we do? And he said that, um, that I, I suggested what I was going to do. I said, I don't want to make any assumptions. Don't want to put anybody out. He's like, nope, that's what I would do. So I said, all right, we're having church. Make it if you can. Stay home if you can't. But we're going to have church tonight. And I'm glad I came. Again, I, I felt the spirit of the Lord. Thank you, Brother Larson, for being sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And, um, and uh, I, I do feel God's presence here tonight. Hopefully those of you who are at home can feel something. Now, I know you can't feel the same thing because it's special here. <laughs> Not saying your house isn't special, but the house of God is specialer. <laughs> How's that for homeschooled English? Psalm 144, verse 1 and 2, and then we'll also go to Psalms 18, or Psalm 18. Um, verse 1 of Psalm 144 says, A psalm of David, blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Hallelujah. And then Psalm 118, or sorry, Psalm 18, verse 34. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Hallelujah. You want to fight like that? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the kind of victory I want. Well, the, the enemy can't even put up a fight. And uh, so, so I believe that we're going to, uh, we're going to let's just uh, lay down our Bibles. I want to talk to you tonight on this subject, spiritual warfare. Let's ask the Lord to help us in this service. Touch everyone that is at home, everyone that's in this sanctuary Ask the Lord for his grace and his help in this service. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to be in your house. God, I trust you fully. I know that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I pray that you would touch every mind and every heart that's in this place, that's at home. Touch every body that's sick. Touch Brother Kent tonight as he's in the hospital. Pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, keep them by your hand, Lord. Keep your hand of protection on each and every one. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We believe you, Lord. Jesus' name. Amen. You could be seated tonight. Keep Brother Kent in your prayers tonight. He went and committed himself to the ER this afternoon. And uh, at the recommendation of one of his friends, who's also a doctor, and uh, they've admitted him to the hospital because of um, his condition. So we want to pray for Brother Kent. Keep him in our prayers till we hear that he's out of the hospital and doing better. Amen. And um, 
I really don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, we talk about Brother Kent, but how many names have we prayed for tonight and then before tonight uh, in every service since the beginning of this year? The devil is doing his best to try to attack the, the people of God and to um, prevent us from accomplishing what the Holy Ghost wants us to accomplish. The Lord gave us a great promise at the end of, la of, at the end of last year, and, and we will um, talk about that perhaps in just a moment. But, but, um, but I'm here to tell you tonight that, um, that, the, that, that we need to do everything we can to be sensitive to God. By the way, that's spiritual warfare, not welfare. Did I type it in wrong? I'm sorry. Warfare. And we don't need uh, we don't need any spiritual welfare. We got enough of a welfare mentality around everywhere. Need somebody to fight, not to stay at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't take that one personally. I'm not making that point to anybody who's at home tonight. I'm talking about those who are at home on welfare. Amen. But but. Yeah, well, I want to talk about spiritual warfare, not spiritual welfare. But I mentioned Sunday morning um, an attack that a preacher friend of mine who had experienced um, just on Saturday. He called me and told me, um, and I was praying for him. I came in the sanctuary, and uh, before Pastor Hilton ever told me anything about what he was going to preach on Sunday night, in fact, he never even told me what he was going to preach on Sunday night, I was in this sanctuary pleading the blood of Jesus over these pews. I told Brother Larson that uh, before Brandon Godwin preached on Sunday night, and um, so he can vouch for me. Uh, I think Brother Larson told me that he was pleading the blood of Jesus over the services and uh, over this church. And so it's, it's clear that, that we need the power of God, the power that God has bestowed upon his church through his sacrifice. And we, um, we need to take full advantage of that, uh, I was in as I was praying. I was walking in the sanctuary, and I'm not. Again, I I don't try to over spiritualize everything. I don't find a devil under every rock. I'm probably the most skeptical among us. It takes a lot to convince me that it is um, a spiritual. Uh, you know, there's anything spiritual going on. But I was walking in the sanctuary here. And I'm just going to relay this kind of to set things up tonight. But. Um, I was walking in between each pew, um, in, in, down, up and down each aisle, I should say, and I was praying and asking the Lord to, to uh, touch our services on Sunday. This was on Saturday. And then I began, I really felt an overwhelming urge to plead the blood of Jesus over the sanctuary and over every pew and those who would be sitting in, in the pews because I felt like there was an attack from the enemy on uh, this, the church. And I started in this corner on the lady's side on the front right from your perspective and then I started walking down that side came up walked down and I came up and when I got back to that corner over there by the tree the farthest away from that corner right here where I started um, I, I lie not okay I'm not trying to build anything up out of nothing but something jumped on my back and um, and I, I as I turned my back to that tree I started walking up here something jumped on me and again I'm not trying to over spiritualize anything I'm just telling you what happened and um, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. Every uh, pore in my body swelled up. And I, I got a spirit of fear. So much so that, that um, this has happened only one other time before. And uh, the first time, I went bolting out of the sanctuary. And I ran over to my parents' house, that, which is right here beside 
the church, of course, and I, I asked my mom to pray with me, and uh, I got victory that night, uh, and that night I also texted pastor, I'm not talking about Saturday, I'm probably confusing this all in your mind here, so forgive me if I am, but um, I texted pastor that night, and pastor was praying for me at home, and then um, I, I ran over to, and, and mom and I prayed, and I prayed through that night, and I felt like I got victory over it, but this Saturday, I didn't have pastor, and I really didn't feel like it was appropriate for me to run and ask my mom to pray for me either. Um, and, and the other thing is, I determined in my mind that, you know what, devil, I'm not bolting. I'm not running this time. And I, I yes, I was scared. I, the, the spirit of fear came on me. And, and as I mentioned, it's only happened one other time. That's how I know what it was. And I talked to pastor about it at the time. And, um, but, but I, I, I didn't go back to that corner, but I began to pray. I began to worship the Lord. I began to sing songs to the Lord. And, and just a matter of time, I, I, it, I didn't feel like I was getting the liberty that I needed here. So I went home, and I let my wife know. And, and as I prayed at home, I felt a liberty. I felt a breaking uh, in my spirit at home, and I'm thankful for that. But I want, to, I want to just, I'm telling that story not to scare anybody, not to put anybody, uh, you, know, you know, shaking in their boots, but just to put you on alert that the devil's working. The devil is, um, is on the move, and... and, and Tonight, I want to talk about one of the tactics that he is using specifically right now. And I think we're going to get through a lot more of this later. But here in, in this first lesson, I want to talk about this, the, the tac- this specific tactic. But let me lay a little bit of a groundwork, um, a little bit of a groundwork tonight. I've, I've heard many times that the best defense is a good offense. The, the best way to defend yourself against any enemy that's trying to is to put them on their on the back of their feet and let them feel the pressure from from um, from from you and 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 move forward rather than backwards. Don't retreat back into a safe place, if you will, but go on the offense. And and uh, I was talking to Brother Hall the other day, and he told me he he um, he mentioned you know the devil. I, I, I think it was yesterday. But he mentioned that the devil's, uh, you know, you can tell that the devil's working, the devil's uh, been on the move. And he said, you know what that makes me want to do? It makes me want to go win another soul. That's, that's a good response. That's a, that's a good way to go on offense against the enemy. When, when we feel like the enemy's uh, uh, coming down upon us, and, and, and uh, again, I don't want to draw too much attention to this, but this is just the subject for tonight, so you're going to have to bear with me. But we ought to go on offense, on the offense tonight. And um, before Pastor left, I... I told him what I was feeling, and, and he, he um, issued me somewhat of a mandate that I intend to carry out during these three months, and, um, and that is that we're not just going to slide by. We're not going to just make it to the end of these three months, but 
But we're going to, when pastor comes home, uh, my full intention and desire is to have a church that is on fire for God, that, that has won every battle that has come against this church. There's no reason why we ought to kowtow to the enemy, that we ought to take a step back uh, when the enemy tries to raise his ugly head and, and say, you can't go there, you can't do that. Let me tell you something greater is he that is in the truth church, that's in those uh, who are a part of the truth church than he that is in this world. Hallelujah. And it was um, in that conversation with Pastor that he, he quoted a, uh, a familiar statement that I've heard a number of times, not only from him, but from others. And he said, young men are for war and old men are for counsel. And so I began to um, take a look at, you know, where did that statement originate? And uh, I found a few of our presidents and, and one... Uh, one of the prime ministers of England, Winston Churchill, was very popular, and and of course, and uh, it, with his leadership style, his his uh, closed-fisted leadership style. But but uh, I I couldn't really pin that quote on any one of those men. I, the closest I found was an article uh, from uh, there was a, a magazine that's been published for a long time, just a general topic magazine, Harper's Magazine, in June of 1952 where they, they posted an article with that exact title, that young men are for war and old men are for counsel. Um, and, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't necessarily say that that was the origin of it because it looked like it was in a quote, and in the magazine he didn't cite his source. Um, and so I couldn't, I couldn't find the, the original source for that statement, but I've heard it many times, and perhaps many of you have as well. Amen. And, um, but there is, I believe, a scriptural uh, a pattern that we find in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29, the glory of young men is their strength, and the beauty of old men is the gray head. And then if you combine that proverb with yet another proverb in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 5 and 6, a wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength, for, for by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And, and so perhaps this is where this quote comes from. I don't know. I'm not saying it is, but... But I was able to find scriptural basis for, for, that, uh, for that kind of a statement. And, and furthermore, then more than just this, this, these proverbs, these wise statements by the wise man uh, of God, I've, I've found a, a passage of scripture that, that I've actually preached from. And um, as I was studying and preparing for the service tonight, the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 10 uh, came to my mind. It was where the preacher sought to find out acceptable words and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. And church, uh, I want you to understand, I didn't come here tonight to try to wow or impress or entertain tonight. That's, that's not what I came to do. I didn't come for you to sit back um, on your couches and, and for you to just listen to the Word of God through your computer or your phone or your iPad here at home or even here in the sanctuary. I hope you're not on your iPad or your phone here in the sanctuary. But uh, 
uh, but, but I have done my very best to find acceptable words, words uh, that would connect uh, with everyone under the sound of my voice. Amen. I'm not coming uh, with some level of prestige. I'm not coming uh, with some sort of uh, spiritual uh, uh, arrogance or anything of that nature. I'm coming uh, humbly seeking uh, out acceptable words, uh, words that will help you uh, and help me uh, amen, sustain the battle during these three months hallelujah no one under the sound of my voice is more eager to have pastor home than i amen but but here we are tonight here we are at the beginning of another year and certainly amen there are times of peace amen as scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes there are times amen of love and, and I mentioned this a little bit later but I'll just, I feel prompted to insert it right now amen pastor taught a three lesson series on this topic I began to listen to it today the title of the series the title of the message is a time of war and he taught it back uh just the middle of the way of the year last year i think in june or july perhaps you could find it on our website just type in a uh just type in time uh for war and then you'll find a a timely message that pastor felt uh, amen in the middle of last year amen but pastor and i as we discussed and planned for this first part of this year amen we both concurred that we are entering again into a season of warfare Hallelujah. And perhaps because of the nature of the situation, amen, the enemy is looking at the vulnerabilities and the weaknesses of the congregation of this church without their spiritual leader immediately accessible. Amen. Uh, the one that they have trusted for so long. Amen. But perhaps this is an opportunity for you and I to mature in our spiritual walk. Amen. To no longer, to, to not only uh, per, uh, better stated, depend upon our pastor, but also develop our own spiritual walk. I'll say this, it's, a, it's really hard to do battle in the spirit if you can't even walk in the spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. So to begin, maybe I should have started there. I, I feel the Holy Ghost for the hall. Amen. Read Romans chapter 8. Amen. As sons of God, we must learn to walk in the Spirit. Learn how to pray. Learn how to read our Bible. Learn how to study. Amen. Learn how to get a hold of God for ourselves. Don't depend, amen, on our brother or our sister. Don't depend on pastor to bring the anointing on a Tuesday night. Amen. But you got to bring it with you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is supposed to be a lesson. Amen. Hear what I'm saying. I, I have truly done my best to um, seek out the right words. The words that wouldn't offend, but that would make the point. Words that are written and upright. Words of truth. As a wise man said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. So with that in mind, I want to carefully, under the direction of the Holy Ghost, 
and with my pastor's instruction. And issue a calling to this church tonight. That it's time for war. We're entering into a battle. And it's going to require personal sacrifice, personal consecration, and your personal dedication. But the result is guaranteed to be victory. We sang it tonight. We are triumphant when we battle. We are victorious. God, why? Because God is most high. All right? I want you to take your attention to Exodus chapter 17 for a, um, for a passage of Scripture that I have become well acquainted with in my young ministry. This, this story jumped out to me early on, and I, I preached a message entitled Fighting in Rephidim. And I want to use what I studied during that time to share with you tonight and bring some points that I feel the Holy Ghost wants to make tonight to the church. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. This was a period of time when the Israelites, just after the Israelites were delivered from bondage in Egypt, as they were making their escape, as they, just after they had passed through the Red Sea, they get into a place and, and just, they have their first opportunity, Brother Jaheem, to take a big deep breath and settle in and realize we're free. We're not going back to that place. The Egyptians are gone. We have victory. We have liberty. And, uh, and this was the time and the moment that the, the Amalekites decided to make their move. Who were the Amalekites? The, these were descendants of Esau's grandson, Amalek, a part of the tribe of Edom. In Genesis chapter 36, verse 12, we read, and Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. These were the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. E Edom, the descendants of Esau, was located in the southern land south of Israel, what is known as Israel today. Um, the Edomites were men who were uh, always on the offense. And they were always attacking, but they would only attack people in the wilderness. People who were in a vulnerable state without much uh, capability for defense, without the ability for them to run and hide. They only had whatever shelters that they had constructed there and whatever uh, structures of safety that the, that the wilderness afforded them. Amen. So Amalek, as an offshoot of Edom, of Esau's descendants, uh, learned this kind of guerrilla-type warfare where, where when, when they are most vulnerable, when there is, uh, when they look their weakest. Amen. They came out of nowhere. They were familiar with the terrain. They were familiar with the area. This was their home. They knew where the caves were, the, the places of hiding were, the places of refuge. Amen. But the foreigner, amen, in this case, the Israelites didn't know. So the enemy would take advantage of their vulnerable moments 
and come in and attack. They would specifically pray on the weak. Doesn't that sound familiar? The enemy likes to find those who are weak, those who are on the fringe, those who are on the edges. He likes to use tactics like scaring us and using fear to immobilize us and try to keep us from catching up with where the herd is and where safety is. Amen. And so we, we find in, our, in, the, in this story in Exodus chapter 17, I want you to see how the Lord felt about the Amalekites. The Lord said to Moses in verse 14, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out, all, put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. He said, I don't like these guys. I don't want to even remember Amalek. I want to put out the remembrance of Amalek from out from under heaven. I want to dispose of this filthy tribe. Why? Because they took advantage of my people in their weakest moment. Hallelujah. How, how many times have we seen somebody come into the house of the Lord and, and make a change and, and, and submit their life to God, get filled with the Holy Ghost, Brother Jaheim, and, and just right then, Brother Hall, right as soon as they are living on cloud nine, as it were, it feels like life is going up. We hear the story about the missing church. How they start making excuses. And wouldn't you know it, the enemy starts feeding lies to them. Putting thoughts in their mind. That's a cult. That's, that's not normal. You don't have to worship as loudly as that. You don't, have to, you don't have to live that way. That's a legalistic way of living. You don't have to subjugate your life to that kind of a lifestyle. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying here tonight. Hallelujah. As a church family, we have witnessed firsthand the number of times that the enemy has swept in in those moments of vulnerability. I mean, they don't even know any better. They don't know what spiritual war. They don't, they've never heard of such things. They're just enjoying the presence of God in their life. And the enemy comes in. And we do our best as children of God to fight for them. Amen. And that kind of, um, that, that's the kind of spirit that I feel like it has, has come on into this, uh, this, into this season to, uh, to kind of move in into the church. And, um, and I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything is, is, is wrong with anybody in indivi- as an individual at an individual level. I'm just saying collectively, the devil saw the unity that was on our service on, at the end of last year. He saw the power of the Holy Ghost. Hey, he saw what happened on Sunday night, how the glory of God came in on Sunday night, and what glory we felt, what victory we had. That's the kind of offense that we need to continue to carry. Amen. That's how we can have that kind of service every time we come to the house of God. Hallelujah. Amen. God wants to give that kind of service. That's what we call good church. That's the kind of church that, that God designed the church for. So, so when the, the, the lost and the weary and the hungry, they come off the street, they have a, amen, a place where they can be filled. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's up to us. Amen. When we come to church that that we put off uh, the robes of of rest, that we put off, uh, amen, the the feelings of of tiredness and and all of these things and and move into, uh, amen, our appropriate positions so we're ready for fighting, ready to defend the kingdom of God. Amen. The Lord took it personally. He took it personally when the Amalekites attacked the children of Israel. Israel. Amen. you you got to get a revelation, church. How much God is fighting for us. Amen. He's not just leaving us on our own. I'm so thankful, amen, for a God who's got all power in heaven and in earth. Amen. Everything we're facing, whether financial, emotional, physical, God's able to overcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is more than just a cliche. Amen. This is more than just. The enemy would like you to believe that your situation is too hard for God. Amen. Child of God. Amen. Put that doubt off. Put that lie out of your mind. Come to the house of God in faith knowing that God's able. Hallelujah. Amen. In the law, Deuteronomy chapter 25 verse 17. Remember. The Lord said, remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt. I mean, remember. We, it, would, it would be good for us as a church to take note of these times when the enemy attacks us. So we can, we can see it when it's coming. We don't have to have a, a, a man of God stand up behind the pulpit and say, well, okay, everybody, guess what? There's a spirit over there. Everybody jump on him. No, that would be goofy. That would actually take away from what God, I believe God wants to do. Amen. But what if we just came in with our mind made up? You know what? I don't care what opposition arises. I don't care what kind of intimidation comes in my mind. I don't care what lies are fed to me. I'm just coming to have church. I'm coming to serve the God who saved me. I'm coming to give him thanks and glory and honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It was this passage that he was referring to in Deuteronomy 25, 17. He was referring to the battle in Rephidim. Referring to the attack of the Amalekites. This is the first scripturally documented attack from the Amalekites on the children of Israel when they were delivered from the bondage of Egypt. We read it in Exodus 7, verse 8, just for uh, bringing the context back. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel. In Rephidim. Rephidim has a is a peculiar name. The, the name means rest. Rephidim means a place of staying. Rephidim means a resting place. Interesting. So the enemy, you're telling me. Brother Jared, that the Amalekites came and attacked them in the resting place? Yeah, that, that's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that the enemy, uh, just like, just like they, they do, uh, found the children of God, as I mentioned, uh, in one of their most vulnerable times, uh, in a place of rest. Uh, amen. In a place where they were resting and they were satisfied. Everything was okay. They were comfortable. But the enemy said, I'm coming after you now. 
No longer. Uh, man, I, I, I've got so many rabbits I could chase. I, I, I'm trying to, trying to be disciplined here, but I want you guys to understand that, that, that when, we are, when we come into the house of God, the Bible tells us this is the rest where you cause the weary to rest. When we come into the house of God and, and the Spirit of the Lord begins to move, that is the resting place. When God's presence feels, so the enemy is going to try and attack that. Try to prevent you from getting to that place and try to kick you right out of there and say, you know what? You don't deserve a rest. You don't deserve a time of rest. But oh my goodness, when God's presence comes, what refreshing. I mean, how did you feel on Sunday night after service when you went home? Did you feel like God ministered to you? Did you feel like some wounds were healed? I mean, that can be every service. This, my friend, is the resting place. This is where we are free. This is where we should be comfortable. We should be, uh, we should be comfy and cozy. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying we should come here and kick back and relax. That's not what I'm saying. But we should be comfortable. We shouldn't be intimidated. We shouldn't allow those thoughts uh, of discomfort, uh, those lies of the enemy to come in and say, you know what? Uh, did you say the way that she looked at you? Did you see the way that, she, that he looked at you? Did you hear what he said or she said? This is a resting place. This is a resting place. When the Lord delivered the Israelites from bondage, they reached a place of rest. They were just living for God. They did what, they did what God promised. that they, when, when the Lord promised, we just studied this in Bible study last week. What did, what did the Lord uh, tell Moses to tell Egypt? Just take my people out into the wilderness so they can come and worship me. Get them out of Egypt so they could come and worship me. I just want a few people to spend some time with me. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. I really do. I feel God moving in this place. I feel like God just wants the true church to put off all of those thoughts, those lies for the just come to church and worship him. Hallelujah. That's what the Lord set you free for. He delivered you so he, he could have a people, a chosen people. You are the chosen people of God to worship him. But Amalek attacked in a vulnerable state. And the Israelites weren't prepared. Deuteronomy chapter 25 verse 17, listen to the situation that Took place. Remember Amalek did what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt. How he met thee by the way. And smote the hindmost of thee. Even all that were feeble behind thee. When thou wast faint and weary. And he feared not God. Therefore it shall be, verse 19, when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for inheritance to possess it, thou, that thou shalt, not, thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Thou shalt not forget it. This is in the commandment of Moses, the rewriting of the law from Moses. After they 
right before they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. They said, don't forget, do not forget what Amalek, when you guys were just out of, uh, out of, when you just got your victory, when you just got liberty, don't forget what the enemy did to you. He took advantage of you. He smote the hindmost. He found the feeble that were behind you and, and those that were faint and weary. Can I put it this way? Those who are sick and distressed at home. Those who uh, that, that don't have the ability to even fend for themselves. Those who don't have the... I, I really... I, 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 you know, you can... Uh, you can you, let, me just, let me just bear down right here for just a moment. It's, it's important that, that these physical attacks, that these things that come on us in the... And again, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not one of those that, that, that find a rock under, behind every bush and under every rock, but I'm here to tell you right now under the unction of the Holy Ghost uh, that those attacks, those physical attacks, those, those are more than just uh, health episodes. Those are more than just uh, uh, episodes that, that come around this time. But this is a particular attack. Attack. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, in this state, when the children of Israel, and I see what time it is, 840, I've got just a few more minutes here, and I'll wrap it up, but, but I want you to notice what happened in this circumstance? When, when Moses saw the, Amal- the Amalekites uh, coming over the hill, he said, oh, great. Here they come. They're coming for my people. They're coming for the people that I just worked so diligently to get out of Egypt. What did Moses do? Exodus chapter 17, verse 9. The Bible tells us that Moses said to Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Oh, we probably won't get any further than this right here. But Moses spoke to Joshua. I want you to notice that. The one who was charged with authority, who carried the rod. What is the rod, Brother Jaheem? Do you remember? Authority, it's the authority of God. Who carried the authority? The man of God. Who was in this story? It was Moses. Joshua walked out onto the battlefield without the rod of God. Amen. But Moses, the Bible tells us that tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Oh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I mean, church, you've got to understand that, that this isn't the first time a man of God has, has needed to take a break and gone up to the top of the hill with the rod of God in his hand and, des- and delegated the authority to, to, to his Joshua, if you will. Hallelujah. I'm not here to pat myself on the back. Uh, amen. But I understand any authority that I have and operate within tonight uh, and for these next few months uh, is under the authority of my pastor. And I'm not trying to pull a fast one. I'm not trying to do anything other than just win the battle. 
I want to see victory. I want to go into this battlefield and I don't want to do anything other than destroy the enemy. I want to see victory in the true church of Olathe. I want to see souls come to God. I want to see many souls come into repentance. Let's give the Lord some praise for just a moment. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It's easy for the children of Israel to think, wow, man of God's going away at such a crucial time. Why would he go to the top of the hill? Why would he take the rod of God with him? What is he doing? Let me refer back to a, to a quote that I just quoted just a few moments ago that pastor used. Young men are for war and old men are for counsel. I think, and this is just me, I, I'm not even saying this is the Holy Ghost, this is purely Jared, but I think that we are encountering a, a battle that the Lord wants this church as a body to overcome. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn and do some uh, training on the job, if you will. Amen. But I'm not here playing games. I'm not here uh, trying to uh, pull your emotional strings or push the right buttons, get this kind of response. Or do what we're out here to do is to win. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, man, let me tell you something. I'm not here just doing uh, spiritual calisthenics. I'm not just here running aisles and, and, and wasting my energy for the purpose of wasting energy and filling time on a Tuesday night. Uh, I believe that God uh, wants to give the truth, church, victory in Rephidim. Oh. Hallelujah. Let the man of God go up to the top of the hill. Amen. Let him lift his hands and, and get in, in harmony with the Holy Ghost while we sit in the, in the battlefield and fight. Oh, come on. Let's love the Lord just for a moment. Hallelujah. 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 Joshua, go out and choose you some men and go fight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell you a story. I mentioned this on Sunday too. Perhaps I shouldn't have mentioned all this on Sunday. Maybe I should have just waited until Tuesday, but tonight. But uh, I'm learning, so you'll have to forgive me. But... Sunday afternoon, I, 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 I cannot tell you, I, I was fighting, I was struggling in my spirit and in my flesh. And yes, it was my flesh. I was struggling with my flesh. I was trying to figure out, Jared, where did you go wrong? What happened? What, what was wrong about the thing? And, and so I began to pray. I began to seek God. And friend, I'm here to tell you, I was, I was honestly at a point where I'm, and, and, and please don't take this wrong, but I was at a point where I was like, you know what? I'm just I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore if it's going to be like this. Amen. And in that moment of frustration, in that moment of hesitation, amen, I received a message from my pastor. And it wasn't anything profound. It wasn't anything, uh, uh, you know, long or, or prophetic. Or, you know what it was? I said, Jared, I'm praying for you. And friend, you don't know 
the relief that overwhelmed my soul. You know why? Because it was as if I was in the battlefield. And I, I, for a brief moment in the fight, I glimpsed over my shoulder and I saw Moses with his hands lifted up. Moses' hands were raised. I mean, you know the story as well as I do, but let me just share it with you that the Bible tells us that when Moses held up his hand, verse 11 of Exodus chapter 17, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. I can't tell you the number of times since Pastor left uh, that he's told me, Jared, I'm praying for you. Amen. But that was just a moment. The timing couldn't have been any better. Amen. It couldn't have been. In fact, I'll tell you, when it was during pre-service prayer while I was down here in the front. Uh, amen. And there's only one phone number. Amen. That I have uh, left off as silent. And that's Pastor Riggins' phone number. When I come to church, it goes into church mode automatically. Amen. And there's only one phone number that I receive text messages from. And it's from Pastor Riggin. Amen. And I'm thankful. Amen. That I had that availability to hear from my man of God in that moment. I mean, I'm thankful, amen, that Moses was on the hill, amen, in tune with the Holy Ghost. Church, don't think for one moment just because pastor is on his sabbatical, amen, that he's out of touch, that he's out of tune, amen, but rather the man of God is getting in tune. He's tapping into the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you feel like you're in a battle, you feel like you're going through something and you can't get the upper hand, amen, just know Moses has his hands lifted. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, church. Let's just talk to the Lord. He got up a Hallelujah. 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 Friend, God is not the author of confusion. I believe that's why God, amen, put this message on my heart tonight. Amen, put this introduction into this little lesson. Amen, to share with somebody that while Moses is on the hill, we have a job to do, church. Oh, God. Hallelujah. We can't sit back. We can't stay, amen, on our, on our haunches and, and just wait for him to return. Amen, but we got to fight. Hallelujah. We're engaged in spiritual warfare. Joshua, go find some. Choose us out, men, to go out. And fight with Amalek. Those filthy good for nothing cheaters. Come up on the hindmost. Finding the weakest among us. I wonder if there's any men. At the truth church. That are listening to this young. Inexperienced preacher right now. Who have a desire. Who have uh, had this burden in your own heart says, God, I'm not okay with the enemy attacking the weak ones. I'm not okay with the enemy coming up on the hindmost. I'm not okay with the enemy trying to attack our wives and our children. I'm not okay amen, with the enemy coming in to this. I'm telling you, I'm coming out onto the battlefield. 
Come on, church. Men, where are you? Are you willing to put up a fight? Are you willing to go beyond the ordinary call of duty? Are you willing amen, to push yourself out of your comfort zone? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not just talking to the men that are in this sanctuary. I'm talking to the men that are at home or that will listen to this on another day. I'm pleading with you, men. I'm pleading with you to shoulder this burden, to carry the weight of the services. Moms and, and children, wives, amen, they don't have, amen, the fortitude and the constitute, amen, the constitution, amen, to carry this kind of weight. I'm waiting on the men. Oh, my God. please don't misunderstand what I'm saying I've heard the stories of mothers I've heard my own mom cry out in prayer and what power and what glory amen but this hit me one night I don't even remember who was preaching amen but I wasn't standing here I was standing there amen but I have this vivid image of all of the men in this church Standing row after row in front of these pews. Nobody was tucked away, amen, behind anything. Amen, they were all here. And I'm not saying the physical position, man, just, just bear with me. I'm just saying that I saw and what, it, what, what I saw, what I felt, amen, as, I, as the man of God was preaching, amen, it was that these men were rallying. Hey, let me tell you where unity is coming to come from is when us men bind together. Hey, Amen. I'll preach to the ladies in just a moment, but let me speak to you men just for a little bit. Even young men who aren't married, hey, amen, who've got to have feel this burden, to feel, feel this fire burning. It's, this is a prime opportunity for you to draw your sword, sword of the Spirit. Learn to walk in the spirit. Learn to walk by walk by faith, not by sight. Don't wait, amen, on somebody, amen, to give you the order or to issue the mandate. You get out in faith and trust God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, you can be seated tonight. Amen, there is... And I, I'm about finished, Sister Tori. You could come up here. Joshua, go find some men. By the way, that whole section was not even in my notes. I just felt the Holy Ghost, amen, appealing to you men, amen. And he reminded me as I was preaching just a few moments ago, amen, of that time, amen. And God began to stir this message in my heart, amen, before the year ever turned, amen. And it was in that night, amen. If we want to have unity as a church, we've got to have men that are willing to stand together. And the Bible tells us on the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up, that the other 11 stood up behind him, and said, preach, Peter, preach. You go for it, man. Amen, I'm going to be right here to pray these guys through with you. Hallelujah. Moses said to Joshua, Exodus chapter 7, verse 9, choose us out, men. Oh, man, I, this is not letting me go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Man, I'm, I'm sorry if this, uh, if this message feels uh, like it's, it's directed specifically to any one of you. I'm not trying to, to single out any individual. Amen. But I, what I am trying to do, uh, amen, is to minimize, uh, amen, complexity. Amen. It's simple. We come to the house of God and we pray and we worship God and we listen to the word of God and we respond to the word. It's simple. It doesn't require, amen, a master's degree. It doesn't require doctrine. Hallelujah. Living for God, amen, is simple. Amen. What these families, what these women, and what these children are waiting on are the men to lead us. Show us the way, Dad. Dad, I'm. I re- Hallelujah. There, there, are, there are crucial moments in battle. There are times in battle that we need a specific kind of warrior. And what I'm saying right now is that I believe men um, are necessary. And, and I, I talked to Brother Self about this. Again, I'm just sharing this with you, and and he's going to do it when the time is right. He's the men's leader. I don't want to step on any toes. Amen. But I asked him after the turn of the year, could we issue a call to all the men to just have a prayer meeting, maybe a prayer breakfast on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, amen, before service. And would that be all right with some of you men if we did something like that? That would be great. I think we could see. Uh, I think we could see some things break in the Holy Ghost. Amen. If we bind together, Amen. And, and again, I'm not excluding any of the women for any purpose in particular, other than just to, Amen. They're looking for somebody to lead them. How can we expect? How can we expect the women, Amen, to lead the worship? How can we expect the women, amen, to lead in prayer? Amen. I'm not saying they're incompetent or incapable. I'm just saying, amen, that if, it, if we want to see the result, amen, that we're saying we want to see, then we ought to be willing to put in the effort. I'll tell you, some of us men, amen, struggle the most with reasoning and logic and, and, and saying, wow, this doesn't make any sense. He's just appealing to emotion. Amen, this is a Tuesday night. It's not the appropriate time for this kind of thing. Amen, what does Jared think? He's getting out over his skis a little bit. Amen, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Why don't you suppress some of that and act on a little bit of faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. Amen. You can begin to play Sister Hilton, Sister Victoria. Sorry, I. so many Hiltons around here. You have to forgive us. Amen. Moses said to Joshua, choose us out men and go out fight with Amalek. Exodus chapter 7 verse 9. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said unto him, said to him, and fought with Amalek. I mean, I'm here to tell this church and everybody that will listen, I intend to do what the man of God asked me to do. Joshua did as Moses said to him. I intend to do what Bishop has said to me. And we're going to fight. 
Even while Moses is on top of the hill, we're going to fight. You know why? Because we're going to have victory. Amen. Let's read in Exodus chapter 17, verse 13. The Bible says that, and Joshua discomfited. That word discomfited means to vanquish or to defeat or to overthrow. Amen. Joshua, amen, and the people and those men that he chose, amen, discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. In verse 14, the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in a book, rehearsed in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. If we could all stand together tonight, I think this is a good place to stop. I don't know about you, amen, but I want victory. I want God to do what he wants to do. There was a, I'll just say this and then I will be done. On the final day of the year last year, God spoke to this church and said, I will work and who will let it? That word, that phrase, who will let it, amen, does not mean who will allow me to work. The phrase means is, is taken from the verse in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 13. It says, yea. Before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? The word, the phrase, shall let it, in another passage, is translated as hinder in Job chapter 9, verse 12. The lexicon I referenced indicates that the usage of this word is in the same category as the word hinder in Job chapter 9, verse 12. In other words, this passage of Scripture can be translated as, uh, I will work, and who will hinder it? In fact, in the New King James Version, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 13, the Bible tells us that, yea, before the day uh, was, indeed, before the day was, I am he, and there is no one who can deliver out of my, my hand. I work, and who will reverse it? The victory that has been promised to the truth church cannot be taken away from any one of us. The enemy can come up from any side he wants to. But Brother Hall, if we do what the Lord commanded us to do and just go fight, we don't have to meet any sort of qualifications. I wonder how many of those, mil those Israelites were military men. How many of them knew how to draw the sword? How many, they were just slaves a few months ago. It wasn't, it wasn't very long since they were delivered from Egypt. They were strong guys, I'm sure. Slaves, they were threshing their own weed and getting, and, and, and baking their own bricks and bringing, building it. And all the things, they were strong guys, but they weren't trained. Joshua said, okay, I guess I'm looking for the biggest ones. Amen. Amen. But it was with that ragtag group of men. And I'm not calling you a ragtag group of men, okay? I'm just saying God can use anything. You can't disqualify yourself from God's service. The only disqualifying thing you can do, I mean, I, I felt that little doubt, so I'll just deal with that. And the only disqualifying thing you can do is 
to, uh, well, now I'm, getting, I'm forgetting it. No, it's not quitting. I mean, I guess you can quit if you want to. No. What is it? When you do it against the Holy Ghost. Blaspheme. Thank you, Brother Jaheim. Man, look at that boy. He's over there anointed. Walking in the spirit right there. <laughs> yeah, you got you but that's the only way you can disqualify yourself. Bible says the callings of the callings of God are without repentance. The only way you can disqualify yourself is uh, through blaspheming the gift of the Holy Ghost. Or blaspheming the Holy Ghost. And I, yeah, I don't think anybody in here has done that. Many of you have come in faith. Many of you have come tonight saying, Jared, whatever you need, whatever, I'm here for you. I'm here to help. I'm here to war. I'm here to wage warfare against the enemy. And that's exactly, that is, that's all that is necessary is availability, willingness, desire to have victory. Amen. Let's lift our hands to the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. I mean, victory doesn't come at our hands. It comes at the hand of the Lord. And nobody can undo what God has done. Amen. Let's just give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord.